Do you find yourself teaching your children and grandchildren Torah the same way that your parents and grandparents taught it to you? Welcome to the Transformative Duff. My name is Rabbi Daniel Friedner. Today we are on page 13 of Chagiga, and we learn from the contrast between the two prophets, Yeshayahu and Yechezkel, Isaiah and Ezekiel, that Torah in each generation must be taught to meet the needs of that particular generation and era. Welcome to the Transformative Duff, and thank you for being my Chavrissa today. I like to begin with the story. Throughout the first temple period, prophecy flourished amongst the nation of Israel. Prophets came from diverse backgrounds. Some were rich, some were poor, some were from the north, some from the south. What united them was their passionate yearning for the spiritual return of our people to the service of our Father in heaven. The prophet Isaiah grew up amongst the aristocracy of the kingdom of Judah. A sign of the royal Davidic dynasty, he became one of the preeminent prophets of our people during the first commonwealth. Son of the prophet Amots and nephew of King Amatsia, he was uniquely positioned to serve as an effective prophet of God, unintimidated by royalty and able to extend rebuke when necessary. In contrast, the prophet Yechezkel was born to a modest priestly family and raised in a village. As a result, he had little familiarity with city life until he gained fame as a great teacher of the Jewish people. When Jerusalem was conquered by Nebuchadnezzar, King Jehoiachin was exiled along with 10,000 captives, including the prophet Yechezkel. It was his humble beginnings, however, that prepared him for leadership of the people even during that darkest hour. Let's look at today's Gemara. Rava said all that Yechezkel saw Yeshaya saw. To what may Yechezkel be compared? To a villager who saw the king. And to what may Yeshaya be compared? To a city dweller who saw the king. Let's analyze the Gemara. If you compare the prophecies of Yeshayahu and Yechezkel, they contain many similar descriptions. The major difference is that Yechezkel's vision is presented in far greater detail. It's almost as if he received a clearer revelation than Yeshayahu. And yet, Yeshayahu is acclaimed as one of the greatest prophets of all time. If so, why didn't he see what Yechezkel saw? Imagine you've grown up deep in the heart of the Amazon jungle. A member of one of the last remaining tribes untouched by imperial conquest. One day, you find yourself transported to America. Everything is simply amazing. You stare at the way people are dressed. You watch as the cars zip down the street. You sit at the laundromat watching the clothes go round and round in the machine. You marvel at the skyscrapers, the airplanes, the traffic lights and the smartphones. you got to tell somebody about these wonders. You stop someone in the street and you start talking about everything you've seen. Rava teaches that when Yeshayahu received his divine inspiration, he didn't detail his experience because he was a member of the royal family. The Maharishah interprets this literally. He grew up in the environs of the king's palace. And so, it took a lot more to impress him. Yechezkel, by contrast, grew up in a small village and was swept off his feet by what he saw. He felt compelled to spell out every last detail. According to Tosas, it wasn't so much about the prophets themselves, but their audiences. Yeshayahu was preaching to urbanites, who were accustomed to witnessing opulence and extravagance. Yechezkel prophesied on the banks of the Kvar River as they descended into exile in Babylonia. At that moment, the people needed a boost in order to lift their spirits. 
The Prophet, sensing their sorrow, inspired them with the finest details of his vision. Rambam understands Rava's statement figuratively. Being a much greater prophet, Ishao felt at home in the Divine Palace. These were visions he experienced regularly, and so when it came time to record them, he wrote them down succinctly, unfazed by their grandeur. That wasn't the case for Yecheskel, who merited a lower level of prophecy. On the special occasion when he witnessed the vision of the Divine Chariot, he was so dazzled by what he saw that every last detail had to be recorded. A number of profound ideas emerge from this Kamara. The first is the chasm that develops unconsciously between those who inhabit the palace and those who don't. You're probably very committed to your Yiddishkeit. You go to shul regularly and your life is permeated with spirituality. It can be hard to relate to those who are less frequent in their divine encounters. You might think that giving them the concise message will suffice, but it just won't be an adequate source of inspiration for them. If you don't live in the palace, it takes a lot more time, effort, and detail to be persuaded of the wonder of Hashem's revelation to the Jewish people in the form of the Torah. The second idea that emerges concerns different packaging. The Torah's message is eternal. It's the word of Hashem. It doesn't change according to the whims of the era. Nevertheless, the way the Torah is presented and conveyed must be tailored to different audiences and different generations. Yecheskel told his audience the same story as Ishayahu, but he presented it slightly differently. It was tailor-made for them. We live in a generation of city dwellers. Our kids have seen it all. They're surrounded by lights and sounds and sources of stimulation and excitement the likes of which our grandparents could never have imagined. What's more, they're exposed to so much that we were never exposed to growing up. And Torah is just one option among so many life choices that they can make. But Torah is eternal. It's incumbent upon us to chart Yechezkel's path. We need to figure out how to keep Torah fresh, how to keep it relevant, how to show people, young and old, how Torah is the guidebook for eternity. And most importantly, we need to demonstrate that the message remains the same. It's just a presentation that needs to be adapted to varying audiences. That means coming to our Shabbos table with Divrei Torah that will captivate and inspire kids who have been engrossed in video games and social media all week long. It means preparing for the Pesach Seder with props and riddles and games and ways that speak to a generation that's overloaded with competing attention-grabbing forms of entertainment. It's a challenge, that's for sure. But if the Almighty has placed you in this generation, He's given you the creativity to meet the needs of this generation. The good news is that Torah is from the infinite realm and there's no shortage of creative and innovative ways to teach Torah. No urbanite, no matter how cosmopolitan he may think he is, will ever find Torah boring if presented in the right way. May you be blessed with the inspiration to impart the message in a way that is exciting, fresh and ever relevant, wishing you a transformative day. Thank you for tuning into the Transformative Duff Podcast with Rabbi Daniel Friedman. Whether you've been doing Duff Yomi for years or you're not quite ready to commit but want to be part of the Duff Yomi global movement, there's something in the Transformative Duff for everyone. It's about joining the conversation. It's about talking over the Duff with your family, your friends, your colleagues. It means never being short of a discussion starter or a meaningful Dvar Torah. Every page of the Gemara, every word, every letter contains the secrets of the universe. 
to achieving a life of simcha and purpose. Transform your life today. The Transformative Daf is published by Mosaica Press and available at all good Jewish bookstores and online from mosaicapress.com. Thank you, The Transformative Daf.